Father God, you are an amazing God, and you were before this world uh, was made. Uh, you are beyond the edges of this universe. You are deeper than every mystery that we have dug into. You are the source of our life. You are that out of which we spring, and you are that to which we will return one day. And Lord God, when we try to live our lives Independent of you, uh, we cut ourselves off from the sap of living. And so we pray that during this time that you would take us away from the worldly concerns of the week. We confess, Lord, that we have spent a whole week uh, thinking about all kinds of stuff that will have no consequence in eternity. And so we pray that for this hour we would have a sense of sanctuary here, that we would feel safe uh, to be with you, that we would feel safe to be with each other. And I pray that as we sing your praises and offer our prayers to you this morning, uh, that our hearts would be warmed toward you. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to uh, hover over this space and to bind us one to another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray as well that your Holy Spirit would be here as we study your word. You alone have the words of life. Lord, we confess that we spend uh, 99.9% of our time reading other words and wonder why we're choking and starving spiritually. But we set aside this time now at your command uh, and we gather around your word and we pray that we would be fed and nurtured by what you have for us in scripture. And I pray that um, because of that we would be uh, joyful in our Christian walk and that you would be honored and glorified in our lives and that you would uh, be proclaimed uh, by this church. Lord, I thank you for the gathering of saints and neighbors who gathered on our north lawn yesterday. I thank you for the beautiful weather that we had for the pig roast. Thank you for the many hands that prepared and served uh, that that meal. Lord, I pray that we would continue to be uh, visible and out in the neighborhood, that we would be outside of uh, these safe walls, uh, interacting with those who are all around us. Pray that our hearts would be open to those people, that we would live our lives with those people. Uh, and I pray that the truth of the gospel that has been uh, planted in us, that uh, it would be visible to those people. Lord, we pray for those who are numbers who were not able to be here today because of health concerns. I pray that you would be healing their bodies and strengthening their spirit. I pray that you would allow the fellowship of the of this community to remain intact, even if we are away from each other. Lord, we thank you for baby Floyd that has come into this world, and we celebrate with. Uh, Angela and Gislan, uh, with the arrival of that child, we pray that you continue to uh, watch over and protect that child as he grows up. We ask that he would become a man of God. We thank you for the blessings of life and new life. I thank you for your uh, presence here with us this day. Lord, now as we turn to your word, we pray that you would give us um, eyes of the Holy Spirit and ears of the Holy Spirit to see and to hear and to understand and to receive these words which were inspired by the Holy Spirit so many years ago, but which remain true today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, our second reading this morning, I am guessing, is Ephesians chapter 4. Correct. 
reading uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7, and then 11 through 16. A lot of the same themes that we've uh, seen in the First Corinthians passage, but spoken here to a different church. Hear the word of God. Christ gave each one of us a special gift. Everyone received what God wanted to give them. And that same Christ gave these gifts to people. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to go and tell the good news, some to to care for and teach God's people. Christ gave these gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving to make the body of Christ stronger. This work must continue until we are all joined together in what we believe and in what we know about the Son of God. Our goal is to become like a full-grown man, to look just like Christ, and to have all his perfections. Then we will no longer be like babies. We will no longer be people who are always changing like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to deceive us. Those who make clever plans and use every kind of trick to fool others into following the wrong way. No, we will speak the truth with love. We will grow to be like Christ in every way. He is the head, and the whole body depends on him. All the parts of the body are joined and held together, with each part doing its own work. This causes the whole body to grow and to become stronger in love. This is the word of the Lord. So the title of this sermon is Join the Body. It could have been Join the Team. I want you to think for a second about what your sport is. If I were to ask you what your sport is, maybe some of you would say, well, it's baseball or it's water polo. It's... uh, what are the other sports out there? I played football in high school, which I learned a lot of uh, important lessons from playing football in high school. What sport is your sport? But actually a more important question to ask is what's your position in that sport? Okay? What position do you have on the team? Now I was an offensive tackle. Okay, this is where the Big guys with small brains were put uh, in a football team. I had a certain role to play. I was instructed in that role. And the rest of the team depended upon me executing my rather simple moves. Hit this guy and go that way. Hit this guy and go that way. That was my part, my position to play. It would be wrong to say that, uh, you know... I'm a baseball player, but I don't belong to any team. It's not possible to be a football player and not have joined any squad. It's impossible to be an expert in tug of war and never had someone else at the end of the rope with you. To be involved in a sport is to have a place on the team with other people. You know what this analogy is all about. It's about the church. And it's about being a Christian. If you are a Christian, you have a position to play. 
Every Christian is part of the body of Christ. There are no independent Christians. There are no Christians who are disconnected from the body. If you have been born again and have received the Holy Spirit, you are part of the body of Christ. You have some position on the team. You need to know what your position is. Yesterday at the uh, Deacon's Picnic and Pig Roast, by the way, which was amazing. Thank you, Deacons. We really enjoyed that. And the weather completely cooperated. Dave Hamalian, who is kind of our food expert around here, had the very specific job of using a very large knife to dissect this hog. That was his job. That was his role. That was his position in in that feast. We wouldn't have eaten if he hadn't cut that thing open. What is your position in the body of Christ? I want you to open your bulletins with me now to where our readings are. I'm going to walk us through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because there's a lot in there and there are a number of points that I want us to get before we before we get to go home. Um, by the way, we are going to have a, a special presentation here regarding the children's ministry. That that will happen uh, right after the sermon and then right after the, uh, what's that thing called, the affirmation of faith. Then we're going to bring those people up. It's a little bit different in the bullet, but we're going to move a little further forward. So take a look there with me uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, maybe you remember what's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We read it once a month in a communion service, okay? So the, the Corinthian church is a church that Paul had planted. He's written them a number of letters. We don't have all of the letters. There was uh, disorder in the church. There was bad behavior in the church. And a lot of 1 Corinthians uh, is, a, is, uh, is a letter of correction to how they're conducting church life. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he's correcting them on how they're doing the Lord's Supper. I mean, if you remember how that works out in that chapter, you know, apparently some people were bringing, bringing big picnic baskets and were gorging themselves. Some were getting drunk. Okay, and then, so he lays down the law. Now, this is how we need to do it. Keep in mind, of course, that Paul isn't actually telling them anything new. He was with them two and a half years. He had instructed them in the way of Christian life, of church life. But this is a reminder. And so in chapter 12, we have a continuation of Paul's correction of this church. And what I want you to hear in the background, and I don't know if you heard it as it was being read to you this morning, there's a problem in this church, and the fundamental problem is there's a lot of division. People are fighting with each other. There's not uh, a love for one another. There are, uh, you know, little cliques and camps and groups, and different people want to do it different ways, and they're butting heads. Okay, that was going on with the communion thing. We had the rich people and the poor people. All right, they didn't want to have anything to do with each other. All right, and then with this gift stuff, there's also some conflict going on. So keep in keep in mind that there is a basic conflict in this church. And then do you remember First Corinthians chapter thirteen? Anybody remember First Corinthians chapter thirteen? It was probably read at 50% of your weddings. Okay, it's a love chapter. Okay, it's got nothing to do with romance. And it has everything to do with how Christians live with each other. Okay, and that's kind of the payoff here. So keep that in the back of your mind. Where chapter 12 is going to go is into the love chapter. 
Alright, so there's some kind of contention going on here, fighting going on here about how we're doing our jobs in the church, what different positions people have uh, in, in, in the church. Alright, that's the background. Uh, verse 1, now brothers and sisters, I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. Well, he wants us to understand because apparently we don't. Alright, we have received instruction from him when he was here for two and a half years, but he's going to remind us, okay, he's a patient uh, apostle. I want you to understand about the spiritual gifts well, because they're actually kind of important. Alright, everything that we do here is being driven by our spiritual gifts. And then the rest of that paragraph there reminds them, you know, you used to be pagans. There was a time when you were outside of Christ. I want you to remember what it was like to be a pagan. Right? Some of you uh, in the pews this morning were raised in the church. Uh, you were raised in the church and then at some point you made your own profession of faith. Okay, So you were a child of the covenant and then you became a Christian. Alright? Raised in the church. This is what we want to do with our Christians. This is why we have Christian ed programs. We teach them from the time they're babies. Okay, just because just because the parents are Christians doesn't mean that the babies are Christians. They're children of the covenant. They get a special blessing, and we hope that they become Christians. Alright? Alright, so uh some some of you had that advantage. Some of you didn't. Some of you grew up in a pagan household, an unbelieving household. Uh, Paul is reminding them of what they used to be. So either they were pagans or they were children of the covenant who hadn't yet professed faith in Christ. Remember what you used to be because you don't want to be that anymore. And then he reminds them in verse 3, an interesting verse, that no one can say Jesus is Lord without the help of the Holy Spirit. If you have professed faith in Jesus Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit's been involved in that. All right? I... You didn't do it on your own. You didn't do it because you were smart. You didn't do it because the preaching was really good that day. You did it because the Holy Spirit was involved. If at some point in your life, and this, by the way, is this is just shorthand for the conversion experience. If you have professed Jesus as Lord, if you've had a conversion experience, if you've become a Christian, it's because the Holy Spirit has been involved. Now why is Paul talking about this? Well, he's saying this to remind everybody in the church that if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Alright? It would be not true to believe that, oh, I can become a Christian and then later receive the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You would not have become a Christian had it not been for the Holy Spirit. So for everybody in this room who's born again, you have the Holy Spirit. So Paul is talking to those people. Now, so we all, let's assume that we have the Holy Spirit. uh, And now we're going to talk about the gifts of that Spirit. In that next chapter, or that next little chunk there... We see uh, a, a kind of a dichotomy that's set up that is the, the fundamental note that we so often hear uh, in the reading of this passage. And by the way, this passage is a very common passage uh, in this church. We read it basically every time someone is ordained. We read it anytime we... Um, 
commission someone to a special job. We talk about the spiritual gifts, but there is the same and different. Verse 4, there are different spiritual gifts, but they all come from the same spirit. There are different ways to serve, but it's the same Lord. There are different ways that God works in people, but it is the same God who works in us. So there is difference, and then there is sameness, there's variety, but there's still a unity. In other passages, we're going to see that there is the many and there's the one. Those of you who've been through a new members class know that this is where we begin. We talk about the different metaphors in scripture for the, for the church. And one of the primary metaphors for the church is the body of Christ, which is composed of many parts, but it's still one thing. Alright, very familiar metaphor. And the, and the, and the parts are different from each other. So we have the difference in the same. Okay, that, that's going on, that's going on there. In, in the Ephesians passage, this dichotomy will be equated to unity and maturity. The unity has to do with maturity, uh, and the lack of unity has to do with, uh, immaturity. Verse 7. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person. The Spirit gives this to each one to help others. Okay, so every person who is in Christ has received some gift. There are a variety of them. And the second sentence is the important sentence. The Spirit gives this gift to each one to help others. Now most of the gifts that you get are for you. And I like it when I get gifts. Alright? People give me rare books and paintings all of the time. Uh, and, and I like them. And I enjoy them. And I get to read them. And I put them up on my wall. They're for me. Okay? That gift is for me. Gentlemen, if you buy your wife a vacuum cleaner on her birthday, that gift is not for her. That gift is for you. Alright, so I want to warn you against doing that. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, unlike the gifts that we receive on our birthday, are in fact gifts for other people. Alright, the gifts that you receive by the Holy Spirit are not for your pleasure or benefit. They're actually for everyone else in the room. Dave Hamalian, in his foodiness, understood how to carve a pig and that was that knowledge, that ability that he has was for the benefit of everyone who else who was there. Okay? He by the way went home s- s- smelling like a slaughterhouse. Okay. Uh, so it, it, it was kind of cool watching him, but it was a little bit unpleasant actually. Alright. So the the gift the gift that David had was for your benefit. So all, so keep in mind that all of these spiritual gifts are not for you, they're actually for the other people who are around you. And this is really important to recognize in the life of the church, because sometimes there is disorder in the life of the church when there are individuals who want to exercise their gifts, but when you watch what's happening, you discover it's really all about them. Okay, it's about the pleasure that they're deriving from it. All right, rather than how it's benefiting the body. So, 
The Spirit gives something to each person who's part of Christ. But the thing that's given to that person isn't for them. It's actually for the other people who are part of the group. Now, beginning at verse 7 through verse 10, we have a list of gifts. And then uh, if... uh, you're interested in looking ahead in the chapter beginning at verse 28 there's a list of offices in the church let me just read them off for you Um, the list of gifts that we have in 7 to 10 are wisdom knowledge, faith healing, miracles prophecy discerning spirits tongues and the interpretation of tongues Alright, by the way, anytime you see these these lists in scripture, uh, they're not exhaustive. There are other gifts than just those. But these are sort of representative, representative gifts. And then in verse 28, there are a list of offices, and there is a kind of parallel between the gift and the office. By office, I mean is the, the position that you play on the team. Okay, so uh, if you have someone who has a good arm, maybe he's going to be the pitcher on your baseball team. So the good the good arm, the, the strong throwing arm, might be the gift, but the position would be uh, being being the being the pitcher. Here are the offices: apostle. We don't have those anymore. Okay, that was once and done. Prophets. We still have those. Teachers. Yes. Miracles. Yes. Healings. Yes. Needs, and this is largely the work of the deacons, meeting the needs of many people. Administration and tongues. Okay, these are all other gifts that are going on in the life of the church. All right, uh, and so those, those those are a list, and, and you can add you can add to that list uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter four. Um, let's see if I can find that here. In Ephesians four verse eleven, we have another little list there: apostles, prophets. Uh, evangelists and those who care for and teach God's people. Okay, so these are lists uh, uh, of some of these gifts, and you might want to think about uh, what your what your gifting is, and maybe what your position is. On that information buffet, is that what we call it, Stephen? The information buffet. There is this thing here. It's called a spiritual gift survey. Nothing magical about this, but it's a, it's a series of 70, 80 questions that you can answer and as a way to score it. And it might give you some uh, ideas about what your gifts are. Right? This is kind of an internal assessment of your own gifts. It's good to have a, an idea of what your gifts are because having an idea of what your gifts are will figure out what position you might want to play. Those of you who don't have the gift of singing shouldn't join the choir. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Right? So that's on the, that's on that back, uh, on the information buffet. You might want to pick up one of those and, and take a look at that and, and score that and, and, and see, see what you think about that. Okay? Um, further down in, um, verse 12, we read, A person has only one body, but it has many parts. Yes, there are many parts, but all those parts are still just one body. Christ is like that too. Some of us are Jews and some of us are not. Some of us are slaves and some of us are free. But we were all baptized to become one body through one spirit. And we were all given the one spirit. Now, we're back to the many and one theme here. 
part of the variety of the church of Christ has nothing to do with gifting, but has to do with background. Okay, did you notice how Paul talks about that there? Some of us are Jews and some of us are not. Okay, some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles. This is an important distinction uh, in the mind of Paul and in the ancient world. Some of us are slaves and some of us are free. Now, we, you might want to think about what are the what are the what what dichotomies would we have in our culture that those two things have to do with that culture and that ancient time. But the point is here that Paul's making is that the church, which is an organic unity, is in fact complicated and made up of different kinds of people. Alright? If you walk into a building with red doors and everyone looks the same, you're probably not in a church. Let's be clear about this. You're probably in a club. Okay. In a club, we get together with people who are just like us. Yeah, you know, because we like ourselves. And we like people who are like us. There's nothing wrong with that. But the church, by its very nature, is complex and it draws from the variety of people who are in the area. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. We can think of other uh, dichotomies that exist uh, in, in our world. One of the things that attracted me to this church was the fact that this is a complicated church. And let me tell you this, it's actually harder to run a church that's complicated than where everybody looks alike. Okay, where everybody looks alike, they all kind of want the same things, and keeping everybody happy is a lot easier, uh, but this is actually a very complicated body, and to me, that tells me that we're actually the body of Christ. To me, it's a sign that even though we've come from different places, we've got different backgrounds, different experiences, Experiences, mm, we're still unified, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. One of the things uh, that has happened when uh, in the six years since we left the PCUSA is that we also became more theologically diverse. Okay? Also, another level of complexity uh, in this organism. But it's, I think it's a sign uh, of, of the maturity of this body and the health and. and that God's favor is upon this place. Some of us were Jews, some of us were Gentiles. Okay, but here's the important part, but we were all baptized to become one body through one spirit. So we've come from different places, but through this baptism of the Holy Spirit, we become a new thing. We were different, but now we're unified and we all have that same spirit so our unity in the body of Christ has to do with our baptism with what it is that we believe with the the, the reception of the faith variety of backgrounds now it's important to recognize that our unity is not in our humanity but is in our Christianity Right? Our unity is not in our humanity, but it's in our Christianity. It's that spirit which makes us one, even though we're coming from very different uh, different parts of the world and different experiences. Okay, and so also important to recognize that you know uh, people. There are some people who are interested in having unity in the world. Jesus never promised unity in the world. He promised a sword and division in the world. Apostle Paul makes it very clear. He says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? 
Paul doesn't care what's going on in the world. We need to be careful as Christians to not be spending time criticizing what's going on in the world. I hear people complaining about what's on television and in the movies. It's like, what did you expect? It's not Christian. Okay, We need to focus on what's going on in the life of the church and in the body of Christ. And the world's going to go the way the world's going to go. Now, we're going to constantly invite those people into the church. But the world is on a different path than we're on. Tertullian, a third century Christian father, put it this way. What does Athens have to do with Jerusalem? Rhetorical question. What does Athens have to do with Jerusalem? And the answer is nothing. So there is this unity, even though we've come from many places. In the next uh, little chunk, uh, beginning at verse 14, uh, Paul is pointing out, and he's sort of getting at at the problem in this church. There is a variety of gifts and a variety of functions in the church, but each function is honorable. I think what we hear in, uh, reflected in the life of the Corinthian church is that you know, some people were treated with respect and dignity and other people were not treated properly. And Paul is at great pains here to point out, you know, if you're a foot or you're an eye or you're that hidden part, he talks a lot about you know, those parts of our body that we have to keep covered up because they're not polite. All of those parts are parts of the body. They're all equal in dignity, and the body uh, can't operate without them. In the life of the church, there are a lot of different functions that go on in this place. Some of them, uh, like my function, is very visible and honored. All right? There are other people who made church possible for you this morning. They were here early. Getting things ready for you. You didn't see them. You didn't notice them. They don't. They don't get a listing in the bulletin. All right. Their names aren't up on that on that sign there. All right. But they're part of the body, and this body can't operate without them. I think this is really the heart of what Paul is after in this teaching about the about the gifts of the Spirit. Is is that we're just one body, and we need to honor and to respect. Every single person who's got a job here in this place. Every single person who's doing a little something. You know, the church is not a club. It's it's a kind of a do-it-yourself society. We gather, you know, from the surrounding neighborhoods on a Sunday morning. And we do church. And one person does this. And one person does that. And the result of it is wonderful and all of us are able to enjoy the presence of God because each little part has done, has done their part. Honor all the parts of the body. Do not allow any division in the body. Don't say that this part is more important than that part. The choir can't be more in part important than, you know, the men's Bible study. It's all part of the same church. Then I want to read for you actually verse 26. It's not there in your text, but uh, I want to read for you. um, This is 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 26. Um, If one part of the body suffers, then all the other parts suffer. And if one part is honored, then all the other parts share the honor. 
Raise your hand if you had the experience of being on an athletic team. I think it's an important experience. I mean, I, I think you know individual sports are nice too, but there's something special about being on an athletic team because it's a shared glory when you win and it's shared misery when you lose. Okay. As a lineman, I had the. Uh, uh, for me, the glory was opening a hole that a running back or the quarterback could go through, and for me, the misery was having missed my block and seen my guy get sacked. Okay, When I failed at my job, someone else suffered. I think it's a wonderful experience for, for us to be bound together in a covenantal bind, in a team where, you know, we're kind of dependent on each other and we're pulling for each other. And your success is my success. And if you're suffering, then I feel it too. Sometimes in the life of the church, when the church becomes disordered, part of the church will be unhappy if another part of the church is happy. Okay? If you're doing well, I must be doing poorly. All right? If you got to read the scripture this morning, I'm unhappy because I would have liked to have read the scripture this morning. Okay? This is common church stuff. Nah, let's not do it. All right? That's... It, it's going to be, it's got to be good for all of us. And again, if we're in a situation, if you find yourself in this situation where you are covetous of what that other person is permitted to do, maybe uh, Dave's not here, so I'll mention him again. Uh, maybe you wanted to cut that pig. Who got the snout, by the way? You got the snout. I did. With an apple in his mouth. <laughs> it was very physical that meal. That was a like you knew that this once been an animal on a farm. Yeah. So maybe you wanted to cut that pig, but that honor went to Dave. All right. And if you in in your heart feel some hardness toward Dave because you were denied that honor, I want you to guard yourself. Move this to other areas where they're appropriate to you. I don't, I'm not going to make the application for you. You're smart people. Okay? If there's something that you wanted to do and someone else did, you need, you need to check your own heart. Okay? We exercise our gifts not for ourselves, but for the blessing of the other people around us. Alright? I was blessed by David's service to me. Alright? And if I'm, if I'm jealous of his position because I wanted to cut the pig, then that's about me. Alright? And then I'm, then I've already stepped outside of my Christian walk. Alright? So let's just be, be very, very careful about that. So what I want you to think about right now, and I think we're gonna just take a, a moment of meditation here, I want you to think about what's your position on this team? If you are a follower of Christ, Scripture is very clear, every follower of Christ has received the Holy Spirit. And everyone who's received the Holy Spirit has received at least one gift. And that gift isn't for their pleasure or their benefit, it's actually for the benefit of the corporate body that they're part of. I want you to think about what's your position. Some of you have positions already. Some of you need a position. Some of you think that you're too young to have a position. And I want to say that that's wrong. 
Or some of you think that you're too old and that you've graduated and you're going to let the young people do it. That's not biblical either. Okay? Everybody has a position. If you're alive, you have a position in the body of Christ. And I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about it for two really big reasons. One is, is that it brings honor and glory to God and causes the church to flourish. This church does a really good job of being church when everybody shows up and does their little part, okay, rather than being a big burden on a few people. So that's important. But the other thing is, is that your life becomes what it was supposed to be when you're playing your part. God made you. He created you and he made you a special way. The gift that you have is very specific. It's for you and for the body that you've been plugged into. And if you're not enjoying that or exercising that gift, then you're missing out. You're missing out on part of the the pleasure uh, of your life. Okay, so I think I'm just going to take a few minutes here. Uh, You can just bow your heads and let's just think about this and listen to the Holy Spirit. uh, And then... Uh, I will pray and we can turn the corner into the um, confession of faith. Jesus, by your word and by your spirit, you have called us into the body. We thank you for that gift. We pray that we um, might be aware of and exercising the specific gifts of the spirit that you've given us for, for the benefit of this body. And we pray that we would live into that for the blessing of those around us and for your glory. And we can pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's do the Heidelberg Catechism. You'll find that there in your bulletin. I'll read the questions. 